Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Speak today to James Sykes, CEO of Baseload Energy. They, they are the latest uranium story on the block near the Athabasca Basin. So James discovered the Arrow uh, asset for NextGen way back when, and he's also been in and out of the uranium space for well, most of his working career. Um, good reputation, strong uh, logic. He's also got an unconventional thesis about getting into mineable uranium production, uh, the key word being mining. Um, he thinks that maybe some of the other assets will never actually see the light of day, um, despite their current valuations. So quite an interesting topic uh, of discussion there. Enjoy the podcast. James, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Well, so it's great. We, you know, we love a uranium story. This is a, uh, this is a new one. It's a brand new Uranium story. I'm excited. Um, where are you today? I'm in lovely Saskatoon, middle of nowhere, Canada. Middle of nowhere, Canada. <laughs> okay. Yep, absolutely. I'm sure as it's flat as can be out here. <laughs> I'm sure it's prettier than that. I'm sure it's prettier than that. In the summertime, when the canola fields are nice and yellow, yeah, it's pretty gorgeous, and you've got the blue skies. It's, yeah, right. Pretty, pretty nice. So, how long have you been there then? I've been out here since 2006. Uh, got a job with Denison Mines right away. Moved out here with uh, my wife, and we started our family out here, and just just keep growing, keep populating. And we love, uh, well, I personally love being up in northern Saskatchewan exploring. So this is it's a good backyard to have. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, well, when we kick off, give us that one minute overview of what it is that you've got, and then we'll pick it up from there. Yeah. Perfect. So Baseload Energy, we are a new uranium exploration company with a focus in northern Saskatchewan, the Athabasca Basin area. Uh, we incorporated back in June of this year. So again, we haven't been around for a long time, but we do have the right team built to make a discovery and go forward and bring our investors along for the ride. Okay, short and sweet. Talk to me about you, if you don't mind. What's what's your experience, track record, history? You told us you started off at Denison Mines, but what have you done? I don't know what I've done. I think I've done a lot, but... Uh, so I started off at Denison Mines, a junior geologist who was new into the industry, but I worked with a very interesting group, a very knowledgeable group, who laid out uh, what laid out the exploration program that eventually became, that led to the Phoenix and Griffin discoveries. So learning from that at a very, uh, very young age in my career, I thought was a, a great step forward. Uh, jumped from jumped from Denison Mines to go to Foreign Uranium to learn from some of the best uranium geologists in the business. And I'm very happy that I did that because I got to pick their brains quite a bit. So I just continue evolving and, and honing my trade as I go along. Uh, 2008 hit, unfortunately, when I was at Forum. So they almost went belly up. But to preserve cash, they had to let me go. But at the time, uh, Hathor Exploration had made a discovery. And so they got me on to, to Hathor. And then from there, I picked up on the logging, working on a deposit. It was something new. And so I just, again, just kept learning my skills. I'd go out to the Corax every every possibility. Just kept looking and looking and trying to learn as much as I could. Hathor got bought out by Rio Tinto. And you know, I'm, I'm not a big company guy. I'll admit that. I like juniors. I like, I like things being able to move fast without a lot of bureaucracy. So after Rio Tinto, I found this little company called NextGen Energy. Next gen was just building up a team. So I got on with them. I 
project that they had even before I joined, and everything looked good. Uh, we liked geophysics that was already done. Uh, brought on a couple of colleagues. We built our team around there, and then we made a discovery pretty quickly. Within a year of being with the company, we discovered the Aero system. So that was a nice. Uh, it was a nice surprise. We're very happy with what we did. But then uh, following next gen, I just thought the time was up there and started floating around. Eventually made my way to another company, Appia, which I'm actually still a part of Appia Energy as their VP. We're mostly focused on rare earths nowadays, but high-grade rare earths, can't complain about that. It's a wonderful thing. And then uh, with Baseload Energy. So back in back in February of this year, Stephen Stanley, who's with Orefinders, but he's also the chairman of Baseload, approached me. And yeah, he asked if if I wanted to join on to Baseload and be the CEO of the company since I've got a pretty reputable uh, following and I seem to know what I'm doing. So that's uh, that's where we are. Okay. So where are you spending your time, Appia or here? Both. Well, equitably. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 50-50. Yeah. That's, uh, well, with Baseload, obviously Baseload is a little bit different. Um, much more responsibilities on the go, but I'm still chief technical guy for Baseload and for Appia. Uh, just bringing on some people underneath me as well, both both companies to really move everything forward. So how, how, what does that look like going forward? So say Appia hits something big, do you go back to full-time on Appia and leave Baseload or? No. No. no, no, no. no. So, I'll do both. Right. There's enough people out there in the world that you can have people in different positions. That's the way I see it anyway. It shouldn't be one man doing everything. That's that's what I take away from it all. Um, I definitely want to stay in both. I you know, I love uranium exploration. I want to get my hands on as much of it as possible. I've told myself that my goal is to reach a billion pounds of discovery. So I'm halfway there. And I want to see that through. The more opportunities that I have that can pass my way, uh, I don't see I wouldn't why I wouldn't want to take those. Okay. I'm uranium bullish and always will be to the very end. I believe in nuclear energy. It's the best energy source out there. Let's, uh, yeah, I just want to see more more uranium discoveries being made, something that can go into production. Does Athabasca Basin need another uranium junior? You know, Athabasca needs somebody who can actually produce. It doesn't need a, it doesn't need a discovery that's not going to go anywhere, and that's the big problem. This is where this is where the whole baseload strategy comes in with what we're doing. Tell yeah, Athabasca what, 2.0. Tell me, tell me about this because that, that, what you just said is very interesting it's going to make a lot of uranium or wannabe uranium investors think so there are a lot of discoveries already but you're saying we don't need another discovery we need another discovery that can get into production so what are you doing that's different well, we're focusing on the basement rocks and the way that we're going to focus on the basement rocks is quite different so to understand the Athabasca basin um, I've done my research there have been people before me who've done the same thing and I've kind of built on, on what they've done but if, if you look at the history of the Athabasca Basin, the original explorers, the original deposits that were mined were outside of the basin. So in the basement rocks, no sandstone cover, no nothing. You can get in there with a drift, you can open pit it, simple stuff like that. And then you had your Key Lake and your Collins Bay deposits, which are right on the Athabasca Basin margin. So they're still shallow enough that you can have an open pit. It's once you start getting deeper, even deeper than 100 meters of sandstone cover, then you run into problems. You, you have to remember the Athabasca Basin itself, it's a water, it's a water infiltration system. It's a it's a basin. There's water in there, and that water inflows because these sandstones are porous. 
let's look at some of these mines. Uh, Scar Lake, discovered in 1980. When did it get into production? 2016, 36 years later? Investors aren't going to wait around for 36 years to see a discovery go into production. MacArthur River, best uranium mine in the entire world. It's flooded twice. Yes, they've got it all under control now, but again, it's it's a geological engineering nightmare. You have to freeze your ground. That's not cheap. It's expensive. The only reason they're going after MacArthur is because it is such a high-grade deposit. And same with Cigar Lake. They're high-grade, high tonnage. That's the only way you go underneath the sandstone to mine it. Otherwise, you are restricted, and you're restricted to the basin margins, or you need to get out of the basin itself and look in the basement rocks. Uranium City District, 60 million pounds of uranium came out of, came out of the Uranium City area. These are well outside the basin, but this is, and that was the original discovery. That was the original uranium discovery. No one's followed up on those kind of ideas. So we're going back to those ideas. We're looking for the basement rocks. We're looking for something that is you know, near surface. Doesn't have to be at surface, that's fine. You can be 100 meters below beneath the surface and boom, there's your open pit. Uh, you know, if, if the grades are definitely there, then that's, that's what really moves everything forward. But if, again, when you, when you actually look at the entire basin and outside of the basin, there are a number of showings, basement showings, that do have pretty significant grades. They're not on the right structural trends, which again, this is where, this is where the story of the Athabasca again, kind of, kind of evolves back in the sixties and seventies people. Well, I guess once, once the unconformity style of uranium mineralization was discovered, that's what people were after. There, it, it became the model, and you didn't look for anything else. You look for mineralization at the unconformity. So between the 60s, 70s, 80s, you can go back and look at old drill records. They would stop 10 meters beneath the unconformity. Like, guys, look, at, look into the basement rocks. Cameco had actually drilled the Rough Rider deposit that Hathor had, but they stopped 10 meters into the into the unconformity if they would have continued drilling another 10 meters they would have intersected mineralization it's it's just like that so there's there was a lot of uh i guess a lot of people had horse blinders on they said okay we have to follow this model it has to be this it has to be unconformity let's not look for anything else and i think that has kind of mis misled a lot of exploration over the past 30 to 50 years and Personally, I think there's been a lot of wasted, a lot of wasted money in that. Now people have to go back and start reassessing these these projects, but we're just trying to beat the whole bunch. Okay, you know, so let, let me let me ask let me ask James. Uh, so I, I get it. It's interesting. It's really interesting. So if you were given the choice of discovering another arrow, which you discovered, right? That's what your your reputation is based on. Yep. Versus going after the strategy that you're employing, what would you choose? I'm looking for arrow in the basement rocks. Right. But you so have to remember arrow. I'm saying, but so, it's, it's, so. it's different. It's different, right? I'm trying to say arrow as is, would you want a project which replicated exactly where arrow is versus what you're telling me you're after now? What, what would you choose? See, that's a tough question because again, I, I'm looking for arrow in a different jurisdiction. And we, we will get to this about why I think shadow has another arrow. But arrow itself is within the basement rocks. There's a little bit of a signature of the unconformity, but the bulk of arrow is 100 meters beneath the unconformity. The only reason we really discovered it, well, we had great geophysics, but 
when we went into it, we decided that we're not going to sit there and drill 50 meters beneath the aquifer. We're going to drill 200 meters into the basement rocks and let's see what's there. You know, let's let's really test the basement rocks and it worked. But yeah, Arrow is Arrow's in the basement, completely hosted in the basement rocks. And if you let nature do its work, so you have all this glaciation and you erode all the sandstone and you erode, let's say 50, 50 meters of basement rocks. Well, then if you had arrow outside of the basin, arrow would be that much closer to the surface. Here's your open pit, arrow open pit. That's what we're after. Even, you know, arrows, I would say an arrow or a MacArthur River is definitely the cream of the crop to be a little bit more realistic. Even something that's 50 million pounds is, is very lucrative. So what's the thing? Because, you, because you're near the surface, you think that the type of mine that assuming you can find what you think you uh, can find, it's going to be cheaper, more efficient, and more likely to become a mine? Is that what you're yeah. saying? And therefore, I presumably also there's a permitting issue there because you have yeah. referenced it earlier. Some of the timelines here are quite extraordinary around the Athabasca Basin because people are concerned about what problems could uh, could uh, arise. So what is, what is your solution not have to worry about permitting as a problem or finance as a problem? Uh, again, that's where we prove something that is economic at a, at a shallow type of, of jurisdiction or shallow type of geological setting. Um, permitting, I'm actually not too worried about. Again, Why? That's a big nothing. statement in Canada. That's a real big statement. For oh, yeah, it is. It is but Tell me more. Yeah, but again, if, if you look at a, if you look at Athabaskan, Athabasca, why are the permitting issues? Because they're all deep. <laughs> because all these deposits are being discovered underneath underneath the sandstone, uh, or they're close to big lakes with drainage systems that affect First Nations. Our projects are uniquely situated that we ignore all those all those types of scenarios. So again, if we can discover something with enough tonnage, sufficient grade, something that you know passes a PEA. These are the type of projects that I can honestly see the, the government going ahead and saying, yes, we will grant you guys a permit. It's just a matter of making discovery and making turning it into reality. Whereas our, our peers can be searching for things underneath the sandstone. You know, have fun, guys. Make, make your 100-pound discovery and wait 20 years, 30 years for a permit. Okay. That, that, that's interesting. I think I think that's going to be controversial in, in, with regards to uranium investors because... As you say, there's a kind of conformity to the thinking about what it's going to take because these are high-grade projects, right? So high-grade projects equals success, doesn't it? Yes, it does, absolutely. And that's why the Athabasca is it's the best uranium jurisdiction in the world. High-grade is king, and it works very well for Athabasca. So the grades from Cigar Lake and MacArthur River are the highest value of any commodity in the world per time. Right. So, it's, it's so, so they will be mines. Oh, Cigar Lake, MacArthur River are, are already mines. They, no, I know that, um, but I'm talking about some of the names that you were talking about. You know, you know, Arrow is that going to be a mine? I honestly don't know. I don't know what they're doing on on their side of things. Um, yeah, we'll see. I I don't see why not. Again, it's 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 uh, uniquely situated in the basement rocks, high grade, large tonnage. It should should theoretically be a mine. But again, if you want to think about what the most successful, again, my opinion, what the most successful uranium mine has been in the Athabasca, Key Lake. 
Key Lake was over was about 200 million pounds, high grade. But I think if it weren't for Key Lake, I don't think MacArthur River would have ever gone ahead because Key Lake, you had the mill installed to process all of that ore. So the mill was there, the infrastructure was already there. MacArthur River was just a discovery. And let's use those facilities that are already existing that we own. It was, it was a very simple scenario. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, but so, I, so I, I just, I, I want to, no, I agree with you. It, key Lake was key. But um, we, what, what I'm trying to get at is you made a big statement, a big opening statement at the beginning said, you know, if you, if you want to um, effectively, you know, back a company who's going to find something that's going to get into production, a like base load, um, you're comparing it to companies, presumably, therefore, that you think aren't going to get into production. So, who are those companies? Not, maybe not by name, but what is the nature of the company or companies that you think won't get into production? You think the deep underground, but what else? Those, any company that is exploring within the sandstone itself, uh, if you're deeper than 100 meters sandstone cover, I think it's going to be challenging for anybody to move those into a mine. And again, that's why Arrow is kind of unique because it is not, it, it's shallower than 100 meters sandstone. But anybody else, I really see that as being a problem. And that's something that I do not want to see Baselope get into. I want us to be the efficient explorers. I want us to be the, ex the efficient extractors when it comes down to that point, you know, after the big discovery is made. Yeah. So I just okay. I want our shareholders to reap all the benefits. Okay. And can I can I ask um, a little bit about you know what you've got what you've got today? What do you know about what you've got today? And, you know, why are you so confident about what you're going to be able to do? That's an interesting question. I wish I, you know, we haven't done any exploration on either of our properties. Uh, so we've got two properties, Shadow and Hook. I'll focus on Shadow just because it's, Shadow was an idea. Um, again, when, when Stephen kind of approached me, he said, you know, we're looking for something unique. We're looking for something to really build a company around. Uh, we don't want to be like everybody else. We want to come out there with, with some new ideas and new thinking just to get people interested. So I put my thinking cap on and cracked open my head a couple of times to see what's in there. And I guess I started really looking back at uh, the government geophysics, at the regional geophysics. And a couple of things really caught my eye. So again, when, when you're looking for uranium in the Athabasca, yes, they were, they were called unconformity style deposits, which was the worst thing they could have ever done because they're actually structurally controlled deposits. A lot of these, all of these structures are coming from the basement rocks again, which is why the basement is so important. So now you don't need the sandstone cover. Basement rocks control the uranium mineralization. They control uh, the structures, control where everything's in place. So let's look for these big structures. MacArthur River has a very deep structure, the P2 fault. You can trace it with seismic. Trace it with MT, it is a very deep system, so it's a plumbing system. So we are looking for the same type of things, very big structural system. And in doing so, uh, when we're looking at when I was looking at the region, I noticed um, uh, the Virgin River, Virgin River Shear Zone. That's a huge tectonic structure. So two mountain belts coming together. You can kind of think of it as India meeting up with China and forming the uh, uh, forming the Himalayas that we see today. So it's that kind of scenario, big, massive structure. We know the roots go deep there, uh, just again, by the sheer size of this. And that's a structure that has uranium already on it to the north of the basin, on the south end of the basin, near the middle of the basin. So we know it's a fertile corridor. So good, deep structure, large structure. 
We've got conductors on this structure, which again is very important for uranium exploration. We've got all this uranium on this, uh, so everything's looking really good. The other thing that I noticed, and I wish I actually had some visuals for this, I'll be working on a presentation to to show people the technical sides. I can try to really show them what I'm seeing. Um, but with shadow, there's a massive rotated block, and this is a regional feature. You can see similar type of things when you look at uh, thin sections, so microscopic studies. And typically you see them as garnets or feldspars in a roll. And then along that roll, so if you have a grain like this rolling and then they, because it's shearing like this, so along these tails or along these margins, you get these tails that spread out. Along those, so those tails are mostly comprised of, of your hydrous minerals. Uh, they're all crushed up minerals. So there's been a lot of, a lot of structure and reactivation within there. That's where you get your fluids. So I've identified that on a regional scale. So we're talking hundreds of kilometers. So we've gone from micro scale to regional scale. Uh, I work a lot in the fractal world. So I understand that when you see things happen at a certain scale, it should repeat in every scale thereafter, whether we're going up or down. So we're seeing the same type of system here. We can see the structure. Arrow, so here's our, here's our big ball. Arrow's up here. Shadow is down here. We're on the same ball and both both of which are happening where this, where you start getting this, the system come and uh, dilate. So it's at that dilation that we're really, really focused on. Because again, dilation is a vacuum. You take rocks, you break them up, you're creating pore space, you have fluids to that. Where's the fluid want to go? Does it want to stay just on, on the hard rock? No, the fluid is going to go where the pore space is happening created. Again, it's just, it's a vacuum. You've got uranium in these fluids, uranium will migrate to this area. So we identified this, we've staked it right in this perfect location. And we've got a confluence of structures happening in there, the regional structures where we have uh, fabrics going from the Northwest, bending into this Northeast uh, massive fold system, structural system. It's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. I'm, you know, I, I like to think I'm a good geologist, but I've gone over and above and beyond on this one. So I'm, I'm very happy about Shadow. I think Shadow has definitely got the makings of being a, a very major discovery. Uh, again, we haven't done any geophysical. Nobody's ever done any work on this property. This is completely outside of the box thinking, and I think that's you know that's what we wanted to do when we got into baseload, and that's what we've done. But it's it's completely outside the box. But it all makes sense. It's the right structure. Uh, we just need to prove this up. So we are looking at flying an airborne MT survey. A lot of people don't know what MT is. Basically, it's uh, we can call it resistivity, which a lot of people understand, or, or some sort of EM method. So we will be mapping that, that out. And once we get the results from that, obviously we'll release them, but try to use that to really pinpoint our next steps going forward. That's the happiest you've been for the entire interview. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get me talking about you're, rocks and geology. I can, you're back in the zone. Time. Right, you're back in the zone. Okay, um, do you think what's what's going to work in your favor here? The when the uranium market gets moving again, and you get generous investors excited about uranium again, or do you think the reverse is true? The fact that your unconventional thinking is going to be a barrier to people thinking about you as an investment. I don't see that as actually being a negative. I think being the unconventional and the new guys, I think, does have a lot of, uh, I think a lot of investors will take a liking to it. 
myself. I know I've got a lot of them. I've got kind of like an investor posse that have been following me around since uh, next gen days, even half our days. And yeah, they're, they're happy with everything that I've done. They've made money off the companies that I've been with. So I know some of them even come into baseload too. Uh, but the, the story spreads. People like what they see. So word of mouth, we feel is probably one of the best ways to get the news out there. Again, doing shows like this, letting me get animated about Shadow. It's great. Um, this is this is the kind of stuff we do. So it, being outside the box, I think is I think this is something that investors would appeal to, or have investors you know be interested in. But we don't want to be the same. We don't want to be the same fruit, fruit stand. We want to be something new. Okay, tell me about the money position at the moment. How much cash have you got? Uh, cash, we're sitting at around uh, half a mil to 700,000. It's sufficient enough to get us going on our exploration. But you know, down the road, obviously, we wouldn't need to do a finance. When? Uh, September, October, kind of kind of on the plans right now. Again, we'd like to see, we'd like to get this airborne survey done first over Shadow and have historic assessment work done over Hook before we get the next steps and really plan on what needs to be done on those and kind of figure out uh, how much we need. But obviously, we, while the timing is right, it seems to be right right now, we you know, would, would like to get, uh, like to raise the money while it's out there. Yeah, I, yeah, I imagine you do. Um, what, what sort of quantum are you, will you be looking for? A mil and a half, two mil, maybe even more. All right, so keep, keep, keep it tight, okay. I mean, I know the, the 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 structure, corporate structure at the moment is quite tight because you haven't done too much around with, with with financing. It's a tight ship. So, how many people are how many people are involved in this? Who's doing all the work? Are you are you VP of exploration, T boy, and in charge of promotion as well? I mean, how does it work? Uh, kind of, yeah. So I'm you know, I'm doing the bulk of the work, but we've got a great great team behind us. Uh, so again, Stephen Stewart, who with Orfinders, yeah, he this is his brainchild. And yeah, I, I really enjoy working with him. He's been doing a lot of the, the whole administrative uh, finance, financing side of things. Um, myself and one of our directors, uh, Charles Beaudry, who's got plenty of years experience as geologist, has worked in the Athabasca back in the, back in the 70s. Um, so he and I are basically taking the, the technical side of things. Uh, we've got our other directors. Uh, so Gotham, he's, you know, he does a lot of our IR and uh, just other 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 work on the side. Everyone has a role to play, and so we've been spreading it out nicely, and it's working very efficiently. Um, bringing on some junior guys to do some technical work. So again, everything is is moving along nicely. So the costs between now and the fundraise are just salaries, really, are they? I mean, the, yeah, right. Okay. So what's yeah. the what's the GNA running at now? Uh, right now, it's actually pretty well zero. Just any uh, all of the administrative fees, so not including salaries. I haven't collected anything. Um, I know Stephen hasn't collected anything. Uh, none of our directors have. So uh, we're we're trying to get the ship sailing first before we can. Before okay, we can beautiful. Anything. Okay, that that's encouraging to hear. Um, you were brought in. Did you have to buy shares, or were you given shares? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How much did you? How much of your money have you spent? Your own cold, hard-earned cash. Uh, it's actually a good question. Uh, Fifty thousand. Okay. So not significant, but say, and you look. Will you continue to buy in the open market when this thing gets going? We'll see. We'll see about that. I do have mortgage to pay, so. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But uh, again, it's 
you know, I've done this for other companies as well. Uh, really get the ball rolling. And to me, that's the important part. Hmm. Once the ball's rolling, then you can kind of lay back and figure out where things go from there. Uh, being with Appy as well, so I can divvy up my costs, my expenditures. Okay, I uh, understood. I guess it's early days. Yeah, you are young, and yeah, I, from what I'm hearing, is you, you did you did the hard year as well. The other people benefited. That's nice. Um, but you, your reputation is, you know, goes before you. So I think that's something to be extremely proud of. Um, let's let's talk let's talk about September when you do raise more money. This million and a half, two million. What do you want to try and achieve? What do, what are you going to have to do to get the market excited about the potential here? I think that would mostly be just show them what we have out of what we've completed so far. That's obviously all we can do. And again, it's the shadow story for me that's really going to pump us going or pump me up anyway and get us going. Uh, once book gets up to the same type of speed, then we'll have, we'll have two aces in our, in our deck. So uh, two aces in our hand. But yeah, to get to that stage, um, well, we'll be doing that. We'll, we'll have it all completed shortly. And then we'll be able to analyze what we can do with that. Uh, are we going to be drill ready right away? I have a very strong feeling that we could be. And again, this is where we're kind of leaning more towards uh, just a higher end of, uh, of a, uh, investment right. okay. <laughs> of, a, of a private placement. So it's... We want to get to drilling. Everyone, everyone wants to see drilling. I want to see drilling. That's where you get the real, real results. You can't, you can't throw out a deposit based on just geophysics alone. You need the truth machine. So we need to drill, and that's that's what we are working towards. If we can be drill ready by the end of this year, uh, perfect. You know, winter, winter is the best time to drill up in the Athabasca Basin area. Uh, so going from December into March next year, that's where we want to be cash, cash position for. Not only just for shadow, but also for book. Okay, so Based you, on what we find. you say you've got a small posse of people. Fo- I don't know whether retail or institution or what, but fo- following the your retail. retail, following your success, and, and and that's that's great. But you know, at some point, you're gonna your unconventional nature is gonna need to appeal to the wider market. I expect yeah. the way you, the rainy market is at the moment. There's probably not. I think some people have been able to raise some capital. Some exploration companies have been able to raise a little bit of capital. Um, do you feel confident about this two million? Absolutely. Oh, I, I feel confident about more. Now is the time. This for for those who have not invested into uranium, I think you guys are missing out on the biggest possible investment opportunity of your lifetime. Yeah, you hear all these stories about people who made out big in two thousand six, two thousand seven, and there was a very good reason for it. Uh, that market was primed for the uranium spot price to just shoot through the roof, and that's exactly what it did. Uh, Paladin was a great story from pennies to dollars. Absolutely fantastic. But now if you look if you look at what's happening today, it's the same situation, only better, much better. Because all of the people who were producing back in 2006, they're not producing anymore. There's nobody producing in the States. There's nobody producing in Australia or, or Africa or Canada. Even the Kazakhs have shut down production for, for a few more months now. There's nobody producing uranium, and you've got all these contracts that need to be signed. Uh, from the people I've talked to, there's there's a depth. There was already a deficit slated for 2021. Now with all of these mine shutdowns, that deficit has grown. So supply side, now there's no supply, and you've got a higher demand. 
there, there's more nuclear builds going on. There's more nuclear energy being used in the world. Uh, just demand is higher than what it was in 2006, but supply is less. It's, it's simple economics. So I, I honestly foresee this spot price going, you know, going much higher. And this is, this is where investors and the institutions, they're recognizing it. They're getting on board with it. And this is how I think, uh, yeah, we, I think we'll have no problem raising money, especially with some additional information at our backs with Shadow and Hook. I think we'll be able to really tell the story. Like, like I said, I, I've got a good track record. Um, I believe I know what I'm doing. And with Shadow and Hook, these are both two excellent, excellent properties that have the makings to, to be the next Athabasca discovery and mine. <laughs> the important the, word right there, the mine. That's the key. That's the yeah. key. I mean, that's what I've heard in this story. You, you believe that your thesis will allow you to create a uranium asset which can be mined. And you think that others are going to struggle to get the permits and be mined economically. It's the trick of it all. It is the trigger roll. Well, look, James, thanks very much for running through that. I appreciate that. New story, first time we've we've caught up. Um, nice to hear. Um, you, you've got a little bit of work ahead of you. So pick up the phone and let us know how you get on. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be my honor. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.